Welcome to SNC's podcast series, SNC Critical Insights. I'm Michelle Chen, a partner in our financial services group. With me today is Jun Hu. Jun is a member of our general practice group. Her practice focuses on ESG and public company advisory matters. Today, Jun and I are going to discuss key ESG considerations for financial institutions in 2023. We'll start by highlighting some of the most significant ESG developments from the last year for banks, asset managers, and insurance companies. 2022 was an active year in terms of ESG-related legal and regulatory developments, and especially climate-related developments. On the banking industry, the OCC, the FDIC, and the Federal Reserve each propose a set of principles for the management of climate-related financial risks. The proposed principles would apply to large financial institutions, which are defined as institutions with over $100 billion in total consolidated assets. The three sets of proposed principles are substantially the same. They provide a high-level framework for the safe and sound management of climate risk by focusing on six key areas. Those areas are, one, governance, two, policies, procedures, and limits, three, strategic planning, four, risk management, five, data risk measurement and reporting, and finally, scenario analysis. The federal banking regulators have said that they intend to work together to promote consistency in this area through the issuance of final interagency guidance. At the state level, banking regulators are also beginning to propose climate-related guidance. For example, just last month, the New York DFS issued proposed guidance for its state-regulated banking and mortgage institutions on the management of material financial risks from climate change. The proposed guidance focuses on many of the same key areas in the principles proposed by the federal banking regulators. The New York DFS has also said that the guidance is intended to align with similar work of federal and international banking regulators. One potential tool for managing climate-related financial risk identified in the recent proposals I just mentioned is climate scenario analysis. June, what are some of the noteworthy developments we should look out for regarding scenario analysis? Thanks, Michelle. Scenario analysis is an interesting topic and has been a focus of international financial regulators for a number of years. In the U.S., as you just mentioned, federal regulators have recently started to focus on how financial institutions can use scenario analysis to better assess the long-term climate-related financial risks they face. In the proposed principles for large financial institutions, each of the OCC, FDIC, and the Federal Reserve has noted that management should develop and implement climate-related scenario analysis frameworks in a manner commensurate to the bank's size, complexity, business activity, and risk profile. In order to learn about large banking organizations' climate risk management practices and challenges, The Fed announced in September 2022 a climate scenario analysis pilot exercise involving the six largest U.S. banks. In January 2023, the Fed released more detailed guidance in the form of instructions for the pilot participants. This guidance includes how the participants would assess the effects of specified physical and transition risk scenarios, and what information the participants should include in their submissions, which are due in July. Notably, 
there will be no capital or supervisory implications from the pilot exercise and no firm specific information will be released. Instead, the Fed has indicated that it will publish the insights gained from this exercise around the end of 2023, giving aggregated information on how large banking organizations can and are incorporating climate-related financial risks into their existing risk management frameworks, as well as details of the climate, economic, and financial variables that make up the climate scenario narratives. The Fed's pilot instructions and the insights to be published by the Fed should be helpful for large financial institutions, since these institutions would be expected to conduct scenario analyses under the proposed principles Michelle mentioned earlier. If a bank is preparing to conduct scenario analysis, it should consider relevant elements from the Fed's pilot instruction in designing the analysis, as well as future developments from the pilot program. But banking regulators are not the only regulators who have been active in the ESG space. Michelle, what are some of the other noteworthy regulatory developments from 2022, and how could they impact financial institutions in 2023? Some of the regulatory developments in the asset management sector and the insurance sector are worth mentioning here as well. As to the asset management sector, in 2022, the SEC continued its heightened focus on ESG-related practices and disclosures by funds and their investment advisors. In May last year, the SEC proposed to amend its rules and reporting forms to enhance disclosures by certain funds and investment advisors about their ESG practices. The proposed amendments categorize funds that consider ESG factors in their investment process into three broad categories, depending on how central ESG factors are to a fund strategy. The proposed amendment then prescribes specific disclosure requirements to those categories of funds accordingly. Also in May last year, the SEC proposed to amend its names rule. Currently under this rule, if a fund's name indicates a focus on a particular type of investment, the fund must adopt a policy to invest at least 80% of the value of its assets in that type of investment. The proposed amendments would extend this requirement to any fund name with terms suggesting that the fund focuses on investments that have particular characteristics. And that would include fund names with terms indicating that the investment decisions incorporate ESG factors. The SEC is expected to take final action on these two proposals in the fall of this year. As to the insurance sector, there have been a number of ESG developments over the course of last year as well. For example, in April last year, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, or the NAIC, adopted a new standard for insurance companies to report their climate-related risks. Under the new standard, insurance companies required to respond to the annual NAIC Climate Risk Disclosure Survey will need to comply with TCFD reporting standards by November last year. 15 U.S. jurisdictions have committed to requiring the NAIC survey in 2022 for insurance companies licensed in their jurisdictions, which represent about 80% of the U.S. insurance market. The NAIC's efforts are in addition to the recent efforts of the Treasury's Federal Insurance Office. In October last year, the Federal Insurance Office proposed to collect zip code level data from property and casualty insurers. The purpose of the proposed request is to assess those insurers' climate-related exposures 
and to analyze the potential impact of climate change on the affordability and availability of insurance. At the individual state level, state insurance regulators are also taking action. For example, insurance regulators in certain states, including New York, have issued guidance to their domestic insurers on the management of financial risks from climate change. Finally, in addition to the industry-specific developments I just mentioned, 2022 is also a year where we saw significant pushback from certain states against ESG initiatives. Notably, lawmakers in some states have enacted or are proposing to enact the so-called anti-ESG laws. As an example, in August last year, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and the Florida State Board of Administration adopted a resolution that prohibits Florida's fund managers from considering ESG matters when investing state funds. Certain other states, such as Texas and West Virginia, now require state governmental entities to divest the securities of financial institutions that boycott fossil fuel companies or prohibit state government entities from entering into contracts with financial institutions that boycott fossil fuel companies. The state-level anti-ESG actions are likely to continue in 2023 and beyond, and they will create uncertainties and challenges as financial institutions navigate conflicting demands from various stakeholders. June, what are some of the other ESG-related challenges that you foresee will be faced by financial institutions this year? In addition to conflicting demand at the federal and state level, Financial institutions with operations in multiple jurisdictions will need to navigate an increasingly complex global ESG landscape, including overlapping ESG-related disclosure requirements in the U.S. and abroad. Michelle, as you and I have discussed on a previous podcast, the SEC proposed expansive climate-related disclosure requirements in March last year. If adopted as proposed, the SEC's climate proposal would require SEC reporting companies, including financial institutions, to make dramatic changes in their approach to climate-related disclosures in SEC reports and registration statements. The final rule is now expected in spring 2023, and we won't know until then whether companies will be subject to some of the more controversial aspects of the SEC's proposal including those related to the disclosure of scope three GHG emissions, which are particularly relevant to financial institutions. As financial institutions are getting ready for the final SEC climate rule, certain UK subsidiaries of US financial institutions will be required to provide TCFD aligned disclosures in 2023. The European Union has also finalized its Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, or the CSRD. The CSRD, which entered into force on January 5th this year, contains detailed sustainability reporting requirements, including those related to environmental, social, human rights, and governance factors. U.S. financial institutions, and not just their EU subsidiaries, could be subject to these requirements if they have securities listed on a regulated EU market or if they meet certain thresholds for net turnover in the EU and have an EU subsidiary or branch. Michelle, we've discussed quite a number of ESG-related legal and regulatory developments affecting financial institutions. What additional considerations should financial institutions keep in mind in 2023? 
I think financial institutions should approach 2023 knowing that there's going to be more scrutiny on their climate targets and their membership in that zero alliances. For example, in August last year, 19 state AGs have claimed that net zero alliances appear to intentionally restrain and harm the competitiveness of energy markets. Questions have also been raised as to whether ESG coordination among financial institutions, such as climate alliances, runs afoul of antitrust laws. We might see more financial institutions evaluate their membership in net zero alliances as they come under increased scrutiny. In addition, financial institutions should also consider increasing regulatory enforcement and litigation risks related to their ESG efforts, as well as related reputational risk. In the past year, there has been an increase in ESG-related enforcement, which are focused on increasing transparency and reducing greenwashing. Finally, financial institutions should also be aware that ESG-related legislations and regulations are increasingly subject to challenge in court. This would increase the uncertainty for institutions subject to those requirements. And more generally, the Supreme Court's decision in West Virginia v. EPA may potentially have significant impacts on U.S. federal regulatory authority with respect to ESG-related rulemaking, including the SEC's rulemaking authority regarding the climate disclosure rule you just mentioned. Michelle? These are great points for financial institutions to consider, especially as they head into what is shaping up to be another robust proxy season on ESG issues. Last year, 63% of the proposals submitted to financial institutions were on environmental, social, and political topics. Proponents from both sides of the political aisle targeted financial institutions, with 24% of proposals submitted by self-identified anti-ESG proponents targeting financial institutions. We expect active shareholder engagement on ESG issues to continue at financial institutions in 2023, especially in light of the reduced availability of exclusionary relief under the SEC's current no-action posture and the effectiveness of the universal proxy rules. Michelle, given all the ESG-related considerations we've just discussed, what advice do you have for financial institutions that are navigating this rapidly evolving space? I think the most important thing is not to tackle ESG issues alone or in silos. Financial institutions must consider a range of potential issues when assessing their ESG risks and opportunities. Therefore, it is crucial for the teams that are looking at ESG issues to coordinate with relevant internal stakeholders and consider the guidance and feedback from external stakeholders. Internal stakeholders may include members of the business, legal, compliance, and investor relations teams, and external stakeholders may include regulators, shareholders, and customers. Given the complex and novel issues involved, it will also be useful for financial institutions to seek guidance from external advisors with relevant expertise who are closely monitoring this space. Thank you for listening to SNC's Critical Insights. For more information about our ESG practice and resources, please visit us at www.solcrome.com. Mm-hmm.